Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Well, good morning. There we go. You all look great today. Most of you look great today. Good to, good to see you. Uh, excited to be, be here with you. I'm finally feeling better. Um, my voice, sometimes I cough, but overall I'm, I'm feeling better. It's taken a few weeks. It took a lot longer to get over this COVID than what I was anticipating at the time, but uh, I am feeling better. Appreciate your prayers. One other quick announcement, and then we'll get right into God's Word, is Wednesday night we'll be back online live. I'm going to interview uh, John Pillis uh, about his life, and he reminded me that he is old and he has a lot to say. And I, did you not say that? I said that. Okay, I'm not making that up. That's what he said. That was like a direct quote from him. And, uh, but his point was, and it's true, that God has done so many wonderful things in his life. And then he said, well, well, how long do we have? I said, well, about 20 minutes. That's where I'll come in and I'll help you. But that'll be live on Facebook at 7 o'clock. And what we're doing is I wanted to start it sooner, but again, I got sick and just wasn't able to. So uh, that's about a, about a half hour, and it's cool. We do these interviews, and you get to know people better. Even some that I've interviewed, I interviewed Richie and Nick, and I've known them a long time. I even learned things about them that I didn't know at that time. So John will be with us this Wednesday. We're looking forward uh, to sharing, sharing uh, that. I've only been to one Broadway play. Has anybody been to Broadway, Broadway, and seen plays? Oh, a lot, oh wow, a lot of you have been. How many, how many have you been to? Let's find out who's been to the most. Twice? Twice? Any more? Oh, well, Linda grew up in the city. That doesn't count. Five, six. Debbie? Five. Pamela? Did I see your hand? Four. Becky? Four. What was your favorite one out of all of them? Any favorites? Annie? Who said Annie? I've only been... Somebody saw the online service, didn't you? Did you see the online service? No. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to tell the story about Annie. So thank you for that. Beautiful transition there. Uh, I've only been to Broadway to see a play once. I've seen a lot of plays. And uh, my niece made the mistake the other night of asking, do you, do you like the movie Sound of Music? And I broke into song and sang six or seven of the songs. And, and while she's saying that, Dory's going, no, no. I love musicals, always have. Um, I'm not going to sing for you today. Easy killer. Not going to sing today as far as I know, but we'll see how it goes if I have any voice left by the end. But anyway, the only Broadway musical that I've seen was, was Annie. And I was glad that I saw that one, even though I had seen the movies and knew the story. Boy, when you see it on Broadway, it is, it is something. It is powerful. But Annie has been around, and the story has been around since 1924. Okay, it was a comic strip to start off. How many remember that? 1924? No, you didn't get the joke. You didn't get the joke. But anyway, it started in, 19, in 1924, made into a play, movie, and it's one of the most well-known stories. And, and if you don't know the story of Annie, she, it starts with her in an orphanage. She was orphaned, and the orphanage had a mean director. And here's your quiz of the day. What was the director's name? Okay, you don't count because you know everything. Okay, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Anybody up back there know? 
Miss Hannigan, good, and she was, she was mean, and, um, um, and so Annie grew up in, in difficult circumstances, but she ended up being adopted by Daddy Warbucks, who was a very wealthy industrialist. Now, there's a couple reasons why this play has been so uh, popular through the years. One is, is I think we can all relate to being the outsider, to being the one left out. We almost put ourselves in that, whether we were orphaned or not, we've all been through experiences where we were the outsider, we were overlooked, we were in difficult situations, and we can relate to that. The second reason is, is that it's filled with hope and optimism. And people want hope and optimism, and I think in our day we need hope and optimism even more because there's so much negativity going on all around us. And I want to make sure that we as believers don't live our lives uh, negatively, almost with, you know, this almost a nihilism in that, you know, everything is terrible. I can't say the whole thing, but life stinks and then you die. Well, that's a terrible way to look at life. If you're a child of God, an heir of God, we have so much more going for us and so much more in store for us. Annie tells the story of an orphan, and in reality, spiritually, we were all orphaned because of sin. We were all on the outside looking in. We wanted to be in God's family. Everyone wants to be in God's family. Most of the time, though, people want to get in on their, their own terms. See? They want to be in God's family on their own terms, and not on God's terms, okay? Um, and, but people want to be a part of something. The other thing I'm seeing and sensing in our culture is a, is a desperate need for community. And I don't know, it, it, that's always been a part of it, but I think something that Pastor Joe touched on, uh, that we've been locked up so much and been alone so much that we appreciate community even more, okay? Why do you get out of bed on a Sunday morning when it's raining and your bed is comfortable, and your pillow is wonderful, and it's, and it's cold, and, and you get out, and you, you park, and you walk into the building, into the rain. Now, part of it is because you want to serve and follow God. I get that. Part of it is you just can't wait to hear the message that day. Part of it is we love community. Why do we like to get together and have food, fun, and fire? or food, fun, and fellowship, or, or, you know, we have a chilly night coming up. What? Community. We need that. It's something that God has placed inside of us. For you theologians out there, God is community within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when he created us in his image, he created us with this need for community. Okay? And so we want to be a part of something. Here's what I'm going to tell you today. We were all on the outside. We were all orphaned. But God looked down and he chose us to be part of his family. That's awesome. That's where our hope comes from. That's where the optimism comes from. Is that God looked at us and he chose you. Now you can look at your neighbor and you can say, I can't believe he chose you. Wow. But he did. And how does he do that? Well, he asks this question. He says, who wants to be in my family? And everyone that raises their hand, he says, you can be in my family. People that say, I don't want to be in your family. He doesn't force you to be in his family. But those that say, I want to be part of God's family, he welcomes them. And he looks at you and he chooses you to be part of his family. Adoption is so beautiful because it's an act of the will. I choose you. I give you my name. 
I will take responsibility for you. I will bless you. I will leave you an inheritance. So here's how it works. When we're born again, John 3, 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. When you are born again through the work of Jesus Christ, you become part of God's family. And that changes everything. And so here's our promise for today. Promise number three. We have an unshakable promise. We are heirs of God. We are heirs of God. We are children of God. Now being an heir of God is a promise that's filled with so many uh, amazing truths. We're not slaves of God, we're an heir of God. We're not on the outside of God's kingdom, we're on the inside. We're not on the outside of God's family, we're on the inside of God's family. We are God's children. Max Licato in the book Unshakable Hope, of which we're basing this on, tells a story of a 60-year-old man named Timothy Henry Gray who was destitute and found, uh, had passed away under an overpass. He thought he was completely poor and penniless. What he didn't realize is that an ancestor had left a huge inheritance and he was next in line. And the, the one before him had passed away years before and he never knew that he was worth $30 million at the time of his death. Now that's a sad story. You know what's also sad is that when believers live as if we have no inheritance, when believers live in a way that we, we don't live in a way that we are children of God. Now the blessings that God gives us sometimes has to do with wealth, and that's a good thing, I'm not against wealth, uh, but it's not just that, because whatever wealth we accumulate on earth is gonna stay on earth, you understand that? So use wealth to bless. God blesses so that we can bless others. Okay, I'm not going to preach that whole message. But that's what we do here as a church. We use what God has given us to bless others. Whether it's here at our church, in the neighborhoods, or to the nations as we're going to do when Doug comes. But don't live in such a way that you don't understand you have an inheritance. You're a child of God. And the reason that we miss this is because we focus more on our circumstances than our, on our inheritance. And so we're gonna talk about that. So here's simple, simple outline. Point number one, our inheritance for today. Point number two, our inheritance for tomorrow. That's it. And then we'll just break down, I'll give you a few things on there. Our inheritance for today, our inheritance for tomorrow. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.3. We have blessings in Christ Jesus. One blessing. Now, this is one of the sermons where, remember I told you at the beginning I can't take one of the promises and do two weeks because it throws off the whole schedule all the way through? This was one of those weeks I would have gone two or three weeks on. So you're going to get a semi-shorter version uh, than what it would have been. So, But when I began to think about and study on the blessings of God that we have today because we're children of God, I mean, it's, they're multitudes. But here's number one, we have access to the Father. We have access to the Father. I think the second greatest gift next to uh, salvation is God's presence that he promises us. Think of that. 
Hebrews 4.16, you know this verse. I read it from the New Living because I like the last phrase the best. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Okay, We come boldly not because of our good works, but because of His grace. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So you're a child of God. You have the grace of God to help you when you need it the most. That's part of our inheritance. That you can enter into the presence of God, into the throne room of God, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, and know that God the Father hears you and listens to you and loves you and responds to your prayers. You're a child of God. You're not alone. God's with you. Second, the Holy Spirit then lives inside of us. When we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in. We become his temple, his tabernacle. He lives inside of us. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit worked from the outside in. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit works inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But Romans 8, 9 through 16, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him. So you need the Spirit of Christ in you. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that's living with you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by what it dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. Watch. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It's not just his presence, but it's his power that we no longer have to sin. See, before Christ, we we were just fallen and we sinned. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we no longer have to sin because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's what Scripture teaches. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. See, we're not slaves, we're servants. We choose to serve God. He doesn't force us. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. Watch. We were born on the outside of his family. We lived on the outside of his family. We looked in the window and said, wow, wouldn't it be great to live in that house? We looked at us and said, we can't do it. I've tried. I've tried to clean myself up. I've tried to make everything better, but I just, I just can't. And so we can fall into despair and desperation and depression, thinking we have to earn our way into God's good graces. Even that phrase doesn't fit. But here's the reality of it. We look at ourselves, we acknowledge that we're not worthy to be in the house. We acknowledge that we need a savior. We acknowledge that Jesus is that savior. And he says, you know what? You can come and live in the father's house. Yeah, but look at me. It doesn't matter. The father will welcome you into the house because of me. Yeah, but look how dirty I am. Look how 
broken I am, no problem. The Holy Spirit, he works with my Father. And he will help you. And over time, he will clean you up. He'll heal the broken part of you. But you have to understand, you're a child of the king. That's what it means to be adopted into his family. We receive the Holy Spirit. Number three, we're an heir. The blessings of being an heir, the inheritance that we have access to the Father, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The gifts of the Spirit are available to us. The gifts of the Spirit are available. I love this, Romans 12, 6 through 8. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I don't know if you're catching the word that I've been repeating so often. I'm just reading Scripture. Grace, 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 grace. Our gracious Lord, you'll receive grace, grace, grace. All those things are unearned and undeserved. Even the gifts of the Spirit aren't earned. They're given by God's grace. So whatever gift we need, God gives it to us by His grace. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Can can I throw this out to you? I was listening to something this week and uh, from a, a clinical psychologist, just a brilliant, brilliant man, um, he said, if, if s- there are so many people that just need someone to encourage them, if someone would just encourage them, it would make a difference in their lives. Can I ask you a favor? Be an encourager and not a discourager. There's enough discouragers out there. Be an encourager. Be a cheerleader for someone else. Be a cheerleader that says, you're going to get through this. God's going to help you. You can do this. God's on your side. You're a child of God. He loves you. Don't be a discourager. Be an encourager. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give, give generously. If God has given you leadership, then take the responsibility serious. And if it's a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Because we're part of God's family, because we have an inheritance, the gifts of the Spirit are available to us. That's good news. And fourth, the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in us. And here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of us need at least one of those things in our lives? See, There's no law against those things. And do I produce them in myself? No. We have trouble loving the unlovely. We have trouble having peace in the midst of chaos. We have trouble having joy in the midst of sorrow. We have trouble being kind to people that don't deserve it. We have trouble being good in that our motives are pure. We have trouble with that. But here's what the Holy Spirit does because we're a child of God. He works. And He's producing those things in your life. Well, I don't see them yet. I don't have joy in the midst of sorrow. I don't have peace in the midst of chaos. Can I tell you a little secret here that'll help you? One of the reasons that we don't have all of the inheritance that God has for us is because we pay more attention to our circumstances than we do to our Savior. We look at our circumstances and say, well, I don't have love for that person. 
Well, how about looking at it and realizing I'm a child of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. I can love that person and I will love that person. It might take some time, but I'm going to do it. And the Holy Spirit will produce that in you. I don't have joy in the midst of sorrow. And joy, Christian joy, is not silliness. It's knowing that even in loss, everything's going to be all right because God is good. That's joy. Well, I don't have that. Well, stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at your inheritance. God wants to produce these things in your life. Yield to him and he will accomplish it. So here's the four things of the inheritance for today. Number one, access to the Father. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The power that you need to live for God is inside of you. The gifts of the Spirit, that over and above that you need to accomplish God's purposes, are now available to you. Ask for them, and God will give it to you graciously, not based on you, but based on him. And even if we can't always see it, the Holy Spirit is producing God's fruit in your life. Okay, point two, our inheritance for tomorrow. So we have an inheritance today, we have an inheritance for tomorrow. I read this great uh, illustration. A Sunday school teacher wanted to explain to his six-year-old class Did you see that group of kids up there? Did you pray an extra blessing on their teachers today or was it just me? Wow. God bless them. That's exciting to have kids in church. It's exciting. And um, if you're looking for, you know, a church that's clean all the time, you won't like it here. Because we actually have activities going on. If you're looking for a church that's quiet all the time, you won't like it here because we actually have kids running around. But I'd much rather have that. I'd much rather have kids running around causing a commotion than no children running around. Amen? All right. You all know that. and You love them. Pray for them. Boy, our kids need it. Dear God. They need it. Pray for them. Be a grandparent, even if you're not a grandparent. Find one of those kids, learn their name, and just pray for them on a daily basis. That's all. Ask Kelly. Kelly, I want to pray for a child. She'll give you a name of someone and pray for them. Be a grandparent to them. And some of you already do this. Okay, so Sunday school teacher, he was teaching these six-year-olds what someone had to do to go to heaven. And to find out what the kids believed, he was asking them questions. And he says this, if I sold my house and car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church, would that get me to heaven? And the kids answered, no, No. Even at six years old, the kids understood that salvation is not by works, but by grace, okay? But watch. He goes on and says, no, the children, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me to heaven? And the kids screamed, no. If I was kind to animals and I gave children candy on Sunday and I loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? And the answer was, no. And so he draws to a, 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 an ending here, and he says, well, then, then how do you get to heaven? And there's always that one little boy in the back of the room. Yes, Johnny, you got to be dead. <laughs> True. The blessings of being a child of God are for today while we're alive. But the blessings when we pass from this life to the next are even greater. The blessings as we pass from this life to the next are even greater. Let me go back to our original scriptures here. 
uh, and I'll walk you through this. And since we are his children, Romans 8, 17 and 18, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Okay, so not everything's going to be peachy here on earth. Serving Jesus doesn't mean that everybody's going to like you. In fact, it's going to mean a lot of people aren't going to like you. Okay, yet... Verse 18, see, it doesn't stop with the suffering, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. Why? Because we have blessings. We have an inheritance after we die. So what is our uh, inheritance after we die? Number one, eternal life. Eternal life. What's the most famous scripture that you can think of? John 3.16, even in football games, I don't know if they still do that. They hold up John 3.16. Do they still do that, Ray? Don't say you don't know because you know everything. Yeah, so I think they do. For God so loved the world that he gave his, here's here's the old school, his only what? Begotten. Okay, that's the King James Version of which we learned. His only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have. There it is. The newer translations, the New Living says eternal life. We have eternal life. I'm uh, uh, honored to share in a, a funeral, graveside funeral on Tuesday with someone that I don't, don't know personally, but I was able to talk to the niece and, and just uh, interact with the niece a little bit. And this lady knew the Lord, served the Lord, loved the Lord, and is in heaven today. And I said, oh, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. I, think, I said, It was funny. I knew what she was getting at, but she wanted it to be polite. And again, not knowing me from anybody. Eventually, I told her it won't be real long, about 10 or 15 minutes. And she went, okay, that's good. That's good. My my aunt was simple, and she would want it short and sweet. And I said, well, I am your guy. (laughs) Not today. You get that? Today's not short and sweet. Thanks, Val. You're the only one out of all of these people that got that. But on Tuesday, it'll be short and sweet. I said, here's the verse that came to mind as I was thinking about it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And even though you die, you will live. Eternal life. What do we have to look forward to? Eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That death has no depth that death has no power over us, that the only part of us that dies is our body, and our body's falling apart anyhow, and all God's people over 25 said amen. (laughs) See? But our spirit and soul is alive, and then, well, well, let me get to number number two. We're going to have a new body. As part of our inheritance of being a child of God is we're going to get a new body. And everybody said amen. If you're young and your body is not like Rice Krispies in the morning, thank God. But your day's coming. But when we get to heaven, see, when this body dies, we will receive a new body that won't be sick, that won't be decaying. And I'll just throw this in there for my own enjoyment. We'll be able to eat whatever we want without any consequences. Hey, to the glory of God. 
So if you've never seen our online service, our online service is a lot different. The message is about the same but shorter. But we do question of the day, meme of the week. Uh, Melissa just did a beautiful job as my co-host today. She didn't even know she was going to be the co-host till five minutes before the service. Like I didn't tell her ahead of time because I knew she might, she might worry. Uh, so I just said, hey, congratulations, sit here, you're going to be the co-host. And she was like, uh, phenomenal, very natural, uh, perfect, perfect. And so she'll be on more often uh, now. But on the online service, I'll ask question of the day. And it usually refers to what if you've seen it? That's usually food. Because here's why. Because I relate to that and so does everybody else. Like when I try to be spiritual and say, what biblical character would you like to have a meal with? I get like two responses. And most of them are Jesus. Okay. Uh, which is good. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just meant anybody can. I wanted them to think a little deeper. Like besides Jesus, maybe I should phrase it. But if I mention food, oh, glory to God. We get a lot of responses. Somebody sent me, they, they don't come to the church, but we're friends, sent me, the, I won't say the pizza place, but it's not the one I go to regularly. When they pulled, the, pulled it out of the box, there was one piece of pineapple on their pizza, and they, they, they sent me a picture of it and said, look, this place tried to pass off pineapple on their pizza. Nope, not going to work. So anyway, here was the question of the day today, and I'll let some of you answer, just raise your hand. Wait, some of you eat pineapple on your pizza. I forgot, Becky, if you hadn't laughed like that, Becky's in Florida. Becky, why don't you raise your hand for people that don't know you? Yeah, raise your hand, yeah, in, in shame. Uh, they're in Florida on vacation. She's sending me pictures of eating pizza with pineapple. I always liked Becky, too. Like when I first met her, she got my sense of humor and everything, but she's taken a couple steps down. Okay, anyway, so that happened. So, okay, if you could eat any food you would want without any consequences, okay, and not just dessert in general, but like a specific one, any food you want, I'll tell you the main responses. Some of you are here and you responded online as well. What would be a food that you would eat? John? Oh, that's a good one. No, con in heaven? You can eat all the spaghetti and meatballs you want with no consequences to the glory of God. Barbecued ribs. <coughs> Barbecued ribs. That's one that didn't come up. That's a good one. Somebody else. <laughs> Kelly, delete that answer from the video when you edit it, whatever time it is. Somebody else. Joe? Oh, buffalo wings. How hot you like them? Pretty hot? About medium to mild. John? Greasy sausage. When I had a gallbladder, I could eat greasy food. I, I miss greasy food. I really do. Somebody else? Alfreda? Pete. Glory to God. My 9,000-year-old German likes pizza. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alfreda actually had the first pizza ever made in the creation of, of, of the world. Sorry, Alfreda. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But anyway, getting back to my main point, and I'll start to wrap this up. Um, um, when we get to heaven, not just that we'll be able to eat whatever we want without consequence, but everything's going to be new. And the greatest thing that we've ever experienced on earth 
is going to pale in comparison to what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be like this, above and beyond anything we could even ask or anything we could even imagine. That's what heaven's going to be like. And we're going to receive a new body that will live on for eternity. Number three, lasting possessions. Whatever we have on, in this life will be gone. That's the way it works. I've done hundreds of funerals. Nobody brings anything with them. Whatever we have on this life, and thank God for good things, please. Uh, I don't think living, uh, I'll let that go. I don't think we should live above our means, but I don't think we should live below the blessings of God because I don't think that gives him glory anyhow. And give, give. If you give the way you're supposed to, it'll keep everything in order. If you don't give the way you're supposed to, then you'll become a materialist. Okay, that's simple. I'm running out of time. <laughs> You've suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when you, what, everything you owned was taken away from you, and you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that would last forever. See, those are people that understood they were a child of God, and they had an inheritance for them. Fourth and last, eternal rest and peace. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write down, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They are blessed indeed. For they will rest from their hard work. For their good deeds will follow them. I'm going to talk to you like I talked to the online service. You need to find rest in your life, and I mean physical rest. And if you don't rest, you're disobeying God's command of the Sabbath. You choose how busy you're going to be. You choose that. Everyone, every human has the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day, extended out however long. You choose how busy you're going to be. And because I don't have a lot of time, let me just get to the root of it. Are you so busy that you're trying to prove something to someone else? You don't have to prove anything to God. He would prefer you to rest. Not lazy, that's different. Rest because you're not lazy. Are you trying to prove something to someone else? Is there an insecurity in your life that you're trying to fill that void with busyness? There's a void in your life that only Jesus can fill, and no matter how busy you are, you can't do it. I don't know where we came from. I think the next generation, thank God, is changing it, that we used to just, we, we would exult in how busy we were. How you doing? I'm just so busy. You know, God has something better for you. It's called a Sabbath rest. And what I've found, and I'm not living this perfectly yet, is that I'm better when I'm rested than I'm, when I'm worn down and beat up. I'm better physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Find rest in your life. Sabbath also involves faith because you have to believe God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Okay, you have to find rest, that's your choice. Okay, that's your little, little sermon at, for today. But there's coming a day when we will enter into the greatest rest of all, it'll be God's rest. And we will enter heaven. 
And this is what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Here's how great it'll be. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him this morning? You can say yes to that. Yes, yes I love you, Lord. Can, can, is it possible that more than just five people love Jesus today? Do you love Jesus this morning? Yes. Then what he has in store for you is beyond anything you could ever ask or anything you could ever imagine. Watch, let me walk you through this. You're not a slave to sin. You're a child of God. You're not insignificant. You're a child of God, and he knows you by name, and he loves you because he created you. You're not a failure. Maybe you failed. We've all failed in the past, but you're not a failure. You're a child of God. You're not worthless. You're a child of God. You're worth so much that God the Father would send his son to die on the cross for you. You're not worthless. No matter what anybody has ever said to you, no matter what that most significant person has said in your life, there's someone more significant than that person, and his name is God. And he says, you're not worthless. You're a child of his. And you matter, and you mean something. You mean something to him, and you mean something to the people around you. You're a child of God. That's greater than, in my life it would be, that's greater than being a child of Joel and Nancy Sabella, and I'm thankful for my parents. But I have a heavenly father that's even greater than my earthly parents. Your life has meaning. You're not just one of seven billion. You're the apple of God's eye. That's how great he is. He can keep track of and love equally all seven billion people. And he knows you, and he knows what you're going through. And your life has meaning. You're a child of God. Your life has a purpose. You're a child of God. He created you. And our first message that I preached, actually it was on video because I was still sick. The first message in this series, he created you on purpose and with a purpose. You're not a mistake. You're a child of God. You're not an accident. You're a, you're a child of God. And your life has purpose your best days are not behind you. You're a child of God. And as a child of God, our best days are always ahead of us. Think of these two phrases. Write them down, and then I'll close. Don't live like you lack. Live like you are loved. Don't live like you lack. Live like you are loved. And the second one, I will live out my inheritance and not my circumstances. If you focus too much on your circumstances, you're not focusing enough on your inheritance and the promises of God. I'm an old soul. I'm actually becoming an old body, but I'm definitely an old soul. And as I was talking, or as I was preparing for this about inheritance and being a child of God, there was a song from the 1980s I know it's old. How many of you were not even born in the 80s? I wish I hadn't asked that. Did you raise your hand? Did you raise your hand? No, because you're in church, you know. All right. But anyway, 
in the 80s. In the 80s was when I really gave my heart to the Lord and became serious. And this was one of the songs that was impactful. And I know, Ray, you'll know this. Not I'm teasing you about that, but you, you'll know this because you'll love this. Now, Satan is a liar. And he wants to make you think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. Hallelujah. Satan is a liar. We're not paupers. We're, we're children of the king. So lift up the, the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen. And so the work is already done. Praise the Lord. That's the title of the song. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise the Lord. Here's your promise today. You're an heir of God. You're a child of God. He chose you. He loves you. There are blessings for today, and there are blessings for tomorrow, and they far outweigh any circumstance that you're going through. That's the unshakable hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com dot com or download our app in the app store.